Greetings people and welcome to the LPF Pod Lounge! <laughs> wow, just, I, I don't know what's wrong with me, just, anyway. This is a podcast brought to you by myself, Ryan Peters of Living Plant Foods. And uh, I decided to do this to basically share the stories of different people that have transitioned to a plant-based lifestyle. Now, this is a podcast that will hopefully inspire you, the listener, on your journey to well-being. I believe that we are all in this together because we are all connected. We are all learning and growing to evolve to become better and healthier versions of ourselves. These conversations are all organic, all raw, all living and all plant-based. So I hope you enjoy as we share our stories to uplift and push each other forward. I am so excited to have this woman on the show this week. She has a great spirit and beams pure light of energy. I'm glad to sit down and talk to her about her journey and share it with you all from where she started to where she is now. Lacine Zabrano was raised in sunny Florida but currently resides in London, England. At the tender age of only 13 years old, she made the decision to turn vegetarian after learning the truth about meat at school. Nearly 20 years later, she continues to learn and to grow in truth and living in alignment with nature. Most recently, she gave birth to a healthy baby girl who is absolutely beautiful, all while sticking to her plant-based vegan diet. She aspires to lead women to live holistic plant-based lifestyles, all while staying relevant to society. Yes, Lacine, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. I'm happy to be here. No, yeah, no, it's great. I've been, I know I've been trying to get you on the show for, for some time as you've been traveling. You're back home yes. in, in, in uh, Florida now. So how does it feel Sunny. to be back home? I, you know, I feel really good. I'm happy to have my baby here, meeting the family and the sunshine, just charging that melanin. It feels good. These are roots, you know? Amazing. That's so good. I, I'm, I'm uh, extremely happy for you that you're back out in the sun. From, uh, Thank you. The cold I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm definitely grateful. <laughs> That's amazing. But listen, so what I've done, um, you know, I, I've already introduced you to, to the listeners, but I, um, I love for my guests to actually introduce themselves um, to, to, to the people. So, you know, my first question is always, um, yeah, would you please uh, introduce yourself to the listeners and uh, who are you and where do you come from? So my name is Lacine. I'm from, I was actually born in New York, moved to Florida when I was 10. So I say I was raised here. Florida is my home. Um, met my husband almost three years ago now and moved to London. So I now reside in London, actually. Nice, nice. Um, that's amazing. So how do you so how do you find London? How do you find moving from uh, sunny Florida to to London? What you was know, that like? it's 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 a big difference. I, I try to explain to people they're completely incomparable. There mm. are things I love about London, and there are things I love about Florida, and they they just can't be compared. So in London, we are so blessed to be surrounded by vegan food. Mm. I mean, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as we live in West London also, I mean, anything we want, whether it's junk vegan or plant-based vegan or just vegan options, it's everywhere. Whereas here in Florida, I come from the Tampa uh, area, mm -hmm. it's hard. I mean, the nearest vegan spot here is about an hour drive away. Wow. 
Yeah, and so it's, it's very different. But it's like here you get the weather, and in London you don't. In London you get the food, and here you don't. So right, right, you just right. can't compare them. That's so interesting because, like, you know, you would think that, um, you know, obviously being in the States, they have a wider selection of, of uh, vegan options or plant-based options, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. Um, and especially coming from a place where, you know, you have the sun and stuff, you would kind of expect there to be a bit more plant-based, you know, food options because you, yeah. know, you have the sun and the sun is the, you, is the, you would is the chef. You, exactly. The sun is the life force. And exactly. I mean, at our house here, actually, our neighbors have papaya trees. Ooh. But I think the difference also being that people don't realize that fruit and vegetables are food. So, for instance, our neighbors who have, they had two papaya trees. They actually cut one down. And this is a fully growing no. and fruit giving papaya. Yeah, they were like, we don't, what is that? We don't like those. And, and they just cut it down. Oh, that would kill me. Exactly. And so now they have one and they still don't like papayas. They allow us to pick those papayas from their tree. But I think that's the first step is getting people to realize that fruit and vegetables are food. Wow. I can't believe that. That's I know. Just, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? That is heartbreaking. Cutting yeah. down a papaya tree. Mm -hmm. wow. But it's, it's actually wild because the fruit and veggies are similar in price um, um, in London and here in Florida. And it is wild, like you said, because we have this tropical environment where we can grow oranges and um, they grow strawberries here and we can grow papayas and soursop and, um, I don't know, passion fruit. I mean, everything can be grown here and, and people just don't. We've gotten used to this idea of having a lawn and shopping at the grocery store instead mm -hmm. of growing our own food. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, um so what? So it's 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 nice to have you uh, in the uh, the pod. Oh, yeah, this is called the pod lounge, by the way. Just in case you don't pod know. Lounge. Pod lounge. I like it. Yeah, I call it the pod lounge. So it's nice to have you in the pod lounge to share your your story and your journey. Um, what's your profession? What do you do? So I like moment? to call myself a holistic lifestyle coach, and what I mean by that is whether it's transitioning to a plant-based lifestyle. Um, I recently went through my first plant-based pregnancy. Um, so nutrition, fitness, veganism, um, natural living, you know, why you shouldn't use uh, laundry detergent and maybe you should be using this alternative. Um, this is what I'm trying to lead uh, by example and show people how to live better, live cleaner, live off of the earth so that we can be happy. Absolutely. That's beautiful. That is lovely. And when did you, so when was like the first time, what, what has your journey been like uh, from transitioning to, I don't know, uh, you know, a standard American diet to becoming a plant-based um, eater or, or, or having or adopting a plant-based lifestyle? Like, when did you decide to transition to that? And how was that like? So for me, it's been a bit longer. Um, when I was about 12, mm -hmm. um, I actually don't fully remember, but my mom said I came home from school and I had learned something about how animals are treated and where my meat was coming from. And she said, I came home saying I wasn't going to eat meat anymore. Um, and that's when I stopped. So for me, it's been almost 20 years now since I've eaten any animal flesh, which I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. um, I remember specifically, though, being 14. And uh, I used to have a friend, actually, who was so greedy with her food in high school. <laughs> and every time she would step away from her food, she would give it to me because she knew I wouldn't eat it. 
And so shout out to Vanessa because she's the reason I remember I haven't eaten meat since then. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, I haven't eaten meat in almost 20 years. About, I would say, three to five years ago, I was living down in Miami at the time. And it was my first real experience living on my own, being by myself. I didn't have friends. I didn't have family. Um, I started to just research things. I've always been a researcher. And for me, it started more with, okay, let me cut out this toothpaste because there's fluoride in it. And that's, I've learned that that's bad for my mouth and for my teeth and for my health. So let me make my own. And then I started making my own face wash. And then from there, I remember, um, cutting out, I used to be a big coffee drinker. And so I cut out uh, creamer in my coffee, which was really tough for me because I really loved my coffee with creamer. But I remember being on a trip to California and I set my coffee down. I went to go do something and I came back and there was this greasy ring of just a film around the inside of the mug from the cream. And that was the last time that I had cream. That's when dairy kind of really hit me for what it was because I had been reading and, uh, I just wasn't ready to make the change. And I think when I saw it in the mug, I just thought about the insides of my body. If it's sticking to the mug like that, mm -hmm. what's it doing to the inside of my body in combination with everything else yes. that I'm eating? So I started making small changes. I went through a stage where I was eating the mock meats and uh, junk food vegan, lots of rice, lots of wheat pasta. And then about two or three years ago, after I met my husband, that's when I really started cutting out the gluten, the soy, the wheat, the coffee, and becoming more plant-based. And mm -hmm. I haven't looked back since. I mean, I feel great. Um, I'm in great health. I, my, I, I saw the dentist recently and, and, and the dentist says my teeth are great. I just, like I said, I went through this pregnancy and my baby is yeah. healthy and happy and no regrets here. Amazing. So why, <clears throat> what, why did you decide to cut out all of those, um, other, I don't know, say alternatives like soyas and the wheats, because, you know, there's a mm. lot of people that, you know, are trying to transition to a uh, plant-based um, lifestyle and, you know, a vegan lifestyle. And, you know, it's still quite early for them. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think there's a lot of, not. A, I feel like some people are so confused because, you know, people want to switch over to, you know, changing the way they eat. But then, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of stuff like soy and a lot of stuff like mm -hmm. meat. And there's still a lot of stuff out there that is, is vegan but not that great for you. So mm -hmm. why did you decide to cut those things out and go more for the uh, plants, fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, all that good stuff? Well, first of all, I always like to give credit where credit's due. And I think that if somebody's making an effort to cut um, animal products out from their life and yeah. they feel the need to you know, start by eating more of this wheat or soy, if that helps them, I'm still giving them a thumbs up because mm -hmm. they're still making a change. And I feel like it's important to let them know that that's okay because we've all been there. There are some people who can just go cold turkey and just uh, cut something out and never look back. And there are some people who can't. And I know I'm one of those people. I can't just cut something out. I need to transition. So yeah. first of all, if somebody's making that change, I think they're doing fantastic. But for me, again, the more research you do, the more you begin to learn that illness, sickness, ailments, uh, diseases, these aren't the natural state of health. So these aren't things that would naturally occur in the human body if we were to live in, a in alignment with nature. And so when you start to learn about nature and how people are meant to live and 
uh, about these products that have been, for instance, modern day wheat, if I'm not mistaken, is a cross of about seven different grasses. And so when you start hybridizing products, your body can't digest it because your body doesn't recognize it because it's man-made. So nature can't break down something man-made, something Absolutely. synthetic. Absolutely. So um, a, lot, a lot of times you get these wheats that are fortified with iron and riboflavin and all of these things. And your body, your body's always going to take what it can take, but it's not going to be able to do much with it because it didn't grow from the earth. If something is given to you from the earth, that's when your body can use it. And so soy and wheat and uh, dairy and, and gluten, all of these products, your, your body can't do anything with them. They actually cause inflammation in your body. And inflammation is the root cause of multiple illnesses. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get healthy, you have to cut these things out. But Definitely. if you're just being vegan for the animals, then, I mean, that's another story. Yeah, that is, because, you know, there, is, there are a lot of people. I'm not, you know, taking that away from anyone. There's, there's a lot of people out there that are just vegan for the animals, which is, you know, that's cool. You know what I mean? That's great, mm -hmm. because, again, you know, we're saving, we're saving lives. You know? mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think it should be about the health as well. I think people should mm -hmm. take that into consideration and understanding that, you know, your, 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 your natural foods, your sun-cooked foods are, mm -hmm. are there to keep, to keep you healthy and stuff. So, no, it's great. So, 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 so talk to us about your pregnancy journey because, you know, you have this massive following on Instagram yeah. and you've got an amazing Instagram page and I'm a fan of it. I always have been before we actually met and, you know, I, think, you. I think what you do is extremely inspiring, um, not just for for young women, because it should be inspiring for young women, but it's extremely inspiring for everyone, even mm -hmm. young men, you know, to mm -hmm. see a woman that, you know, is so empowering and just looks after herself and is true to herself. And like, mm -hmm. I like how you don't care. You know what I mean? You're just doing you, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, uh, and you're spreading um, positivity. You're spreading good, good messages for people mm -hmm. out there. So how was your journey from you know um how was your pregnancy journey like how did how did that happen like what did you do to give birth to such a beautiful young healthy girl um i think it's all about taking back what is yours and what i mean by that is nice. as soon as somebody becomes pregnant the medical system automatically says this is my baby this is my pregnancy and mothers um, are kind of fear-mongered into believing that pregnancy is unhealthy, that it's an ailment, that it's a sickness. Mm -hmm. And so actually, um, because I did see midwives throughout my pregnancy, um, and actually, if you look in the notes that they were taking, it says, I think it says something along the lines of past, um, past conditions. Mm -hmm. And in there, they wrote in pregnancy. And so... My husband and I found that really interesting once we realized that they did that because why is pregnancy a condition? Why mm. is that something that's bad? There's nothing unnatural about a woman doing what she was born to do. Exactly. And so I think it all comes down to that mindset. You become pregnant, you go to the doctor, and they automatically tell you, okay, take these supplements. You need prenatals. Why? Why do I need prenatals? Why do I need more folic acid? What is folic acid? What does it do for my body? And can, because, you know, if we think about this, if our bodies are meant to be in an alkaline state and I'm taking something called folic acid, 
what is that doing to the inside of my body? Absolutely. And, and so the more research, I'm a big researcher. I've said it a bunch of times already. But as soon as I became pregnant, I just started researching, you know, how is pregnancy supposed to be? How am I supposed to feel? What's happening to the baby? How is this baby growing? And what can I do to uh, give myself the, the best experience? And the more research I did, the more empowered I felt, the less scared I felt, the more I knew I could do it, the more I trusted in my abilities and my baby's abilities. And mm. I had a really great support system from my husband and uh, friends and, and family. And um, yeah, I just, I made sure to step up my eating. I, I think it's fair to say I am a really clean eater, but I actually wrote down everything I ate every day throughout my pregnancy. Did so that some. I did everything I ate wow. every single day for nine months. <laughs> no way. Um, and why yeah, did you do was, that? Because I feel it's my responsibility to share with women that you can be vegan, you can be pregnant, you can be healthy. Um, you don't have to overeat. As soon as you become pregnant, it's kind of like this old tale that people are like, oh, you're eating for two, so eat a lot. Yes. But that's not true. And that's why women tend to gain too much weight. And that's why they get edema, which is... Uh, when they become swollen and let's say their ankles. And that's why they get stretch marks because they're stretching their body out too quickly. Right. Every The baby will always get the nutrients it needs. The baby will always take whatever it needs from the mom, even putting the mom at risk before the baby is at risk. So you don't have to overeat. You have to eat just enough. Mm -hmm. And so for me, writing it down helped me to stay in track with that, helped me to say, okay, if maybe I felt too bad because I was eating too much today, I was able to look at that and say, you know what, actually I didn't eat too much. Or the opposite, I was able to look at that and say, I need more. Mm -hmm. Or I'm able to look at that and say, oh, hey, fellow pregnant women, this is how I did it. This is what I did. And, and I felt great. And I had a good experience. And I just feel like it's my responsibility to share that with people. Because again, the medical system has us scared to, in our own abilities, we can birth a baby. We've yes. been doing it for centuries. Yes, yes, yes. Wow, that's inspiring. So how was, um, so do you remember what you ate like throughout your pregnancy? Well, obviously I don't need you to read out the list, but what was like <laughs> the majority of things that you consumed while you, like what was important to, to, uh, for you to consume while you had Bubba in your stomach? Um, so the needs will change by trimester because the baby is growing differently throughout different trimesters. So for instance, in the first trimester, the placenta is actually what's growing. The baby's growing too, but the placenta is the life force of this baby that's in your belly for the time being. So in the first trimester, what's important is anything orange. So your pumpkin, your butternut squash, sweet potato, papayas, mangoes, cantaloupes, anything orange because it's full of vitamin A, which is exactly what the placenta needs to grow big, strong, and healthy. Mm -hmm. Um and so the requirements change throughout the trimesters, like I was saying, but um, I really just focused on listening to my body. And there were plenty of times I felt like I just wanted huge salads and I would eat a whole head of romaine lettuce with, you know, peppers and onions and olives and, and such. Um, I know I ate a lot of buckwheat. Buckwheat um, is one of my favorite things. You can mm -hmm. make bread out of it and pasta and just all sorts of things. So I know I ate a lot of um, uh, buckwheat. Um, it was also summertime when I was pregnant. So I do feel really blessed because I was able to eat tons of strawberries and pineapples and plums and blackberries, and they were all in season. So I think strawberries was my main thing. I was smashing through the strawberries. Mm -hmm. 
wonderful. That's beautiful. Um, so, so throughout your uh, pregnancy, you worked mm -hmm. out a lot. Did yes. you work out a lot? I did, all the way nice. to the end. That's amazing. And how was that? Because, you know, there's a lot of women out there that, you know, are probably thinking, how the hell did she manage to work out? And, you know, there might be preg there might be pregnant women out there that are like, oh, I just can't do it because I'm just too tired or I feel too mm -hmm. heavy. How was that for you? Um, I think there's two factors here. I think one, again, is the fear mongering of pregnant women. And so a lot of pregnant women are told not to exercise or are they're they? told they could. They are. They're told they're jeopardizing their baby's health. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so maybe not specifically in those words, but mm -hmm. they are told to be careful because you could go into early labor, be careful, you could cause your baby to want to come now, and that's not true. A woman can work out at any level she was, of any level of fitness she was prior to becoming pregnant. So, for instance, I practiced my headstands all the way through to the very end of my pregnancy, that's but incredible. that's something... Yes, I, I do feel proud of that. Thank you. <laughs> that, that was really hard with the big old belly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was doing those headstands prior to becoming pregnant. So for me, it was okay to continue to do them. Whereas for another woman, it wouldn't be recommended for her to start them and yeah. start learning how to do them. But, you know, if you're um, a light runner or if you're doing your push-ups and your pull-ups, um, if you're doing yoga, any any form of fitness that it is that you're doing, as long as you're not obviously you're not going to work specifically abs, but you can work out. And yeah, there's plenty of people. I remember actually one time, I mean, granted, my husband and I were just playing around, but I was practicing um, jogging and doing lunges and such up a hill. And we were like, oh, he should jump on my back and I should walk up the hill. And that's all we did. And we recorded it and we posted it on our pages. And a lot of people were really proud of us. A lot of people were like, wow, that's amazing. But there actually were a lot of people who were like, you need to be careful and you're hurting the baby and this is so dangerous. Yeah. And I think that's the mentality that hurts women is because if I'm capable and I know that I'm not pushing myself uh -huh. and again, my stomach is not doing anything, I'm not crunching it up, I'm yeah, not, yeah. there's nothing going on. I'm holding him with the strength of my arms yeah. on my back. Um, then it's okay. But... That being said, um, uh, back to your question, just about staying motivated, I think you have to want to be healthy. So there's a lot of women also who um, kind of think of pregnancy as a time to relax. And I know women firsthand who are like, I'm pregnant, I don't have to do anything. Yes, yes, and yes. And that is the complete wrong attitude because that is what leads to certain pregnancy um symptoms, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Again, like edema, like high blood pressure. You you want to work out. It's it's healthy. You want to get that heart rate going. Um, I know for me specifically, when I was pregnant, every time I worked out, my baby got to move it. She was kicking and turning. Beautiful. Um, she loved it. And I loved it. I was breathing better when I was exercising for that 30 minutes a day, 40 minutes a day. Um, yeah, you just have to stay motivated. You have to want to be healthy. All it's going to do is help your experience. I mean, staying healthy also, um, so your uterus is a muscle. And mm -hmm. the way that you work out that muscle is by getting oxygen to it so that it can kind of inflate and deflate. Um, and the only way to do that is by exercising. And so 
the uterus is what can contracts to help the baby descend when time comes for labor. So basically, if you're working out and your your uterus is being exercised, you're going to have an easier labor. Mm -hmm. That's just how it works. And and was and did that work out for you? Was your labor easier because of that? I hmm. This was my first child, so I. I don't want to say yes or no, and that's only because I had a really positive laboring experience. Mm -hmm. um, I I wouldn't say that I felt pain. I'm not saying it didn't hurt, but I'm not saying I felt pain. I was very much in control of it. And so for me, every kind of uh, step that was happening as we were progressing through the labor, I just kind of accepted it, and, and I knew my baby had to come. And so... I don't know if it helped or didn't help. I just knew that I was doing what I had to do, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. And, you know, obviously, because we're friends, I already know that you guys had a home birth. And I'm sure, I'm sure people that follow you on Instagram um, know that you had a home birth. Um, yeah. That was really inspiring. But they're, 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 there's probably people out there that don't know that you had your, your, your home birth. So, like, mm -hmm. how, how did that come about? Like... Why did you guys decide to do this at home with no one else except for yourselves, <laughs> you, your husband, and your mum? Like, yeah. how did that come about? Would you recommend it to people? Would you not? You know, there's a lot of people out there that, yeah. you know, would want to know your story on how that happened and why. Okay, so... Um... As soon as, so from as long as I can remember, actually, I always thought I wanted to have a home birth. Um, I've always been leaning towards more of the natural side of things. I've always wanted to kind yes. of experiment with DIY, like I was saying earlier, with whether it's face wash or deodorant or yes, toothpaste. Yes, yes. And so um, for me, I, I just always knew about a water birth. And so it started there. Mm -hmm. And after my very, we found out that we were pregnant quite early. I was about five weeks. And so my first appointment wasn't until I was around 12 weeks, something like that. Right. And so by the time I got there, um, I got to my first midwife appointment. Um, we almost immediately lost faith in them. And that's because... <laughs> from the jump? Yeah. From, yeah. It, from From the midwives. And um, why was that? That was because, again, I found out I was pregnant at about five weeks. Mm -hmm. um, it must have been four days later. It happened very quickly. I got extremely sick. And so I had something called hypermesis gravidium, which is like morning sickness, but worse. And I don't want to scare anybody listening. I don't like to scare my followers. So I don't like to talk about it too much. But hypermesis gravidium, they call it HG, is when I lost about 12 pounds. I was throwing up blood. I was nauseous all day. I was completely dehydrated. Even my husband could not even drink water in front of me because it would make me vomit because he was drinking it. Wow. Um, it was really bad. And so I, I should take a moment, though, to explain. I believe that I experienced HG because when I was about 12, um, about 12 years old, my menstrual cycle was completely out of balance. And so I went to the doctor and the doctor was like, oh, well, I don't know what this is. So here, take some birth control. And so from the time I was 12 until the time I was about 26, mm -hmm. I was taking between one and four pills a day. Wow. And that's massive that and huge. it's horrible. Jeez. And so if you think about all these chemicals and these synthetic drugs that are in birth control, and then you start to think I was taking up to four a day for 
over 10 years? Yes, yes. Um, that's horrible. Yes. And so if you're not doing a proper cleanse, and the only way to properly cleanse is to do a water fast, mm -hmm. cleanse your blood, um, do these things, and most of us don't, I didn't, that stuff is going to stay in your system. And so when I became pregnant, I got really sick, and it's my belief that I had over 10 years worth of these synthetic hormones in my body that needed to come out. That needed to come out, yeah. Um, because your, your blood volume will increase by up to 50% when you're pregnant. And so if you have all that blood rushing around, it's going to carry all of the tox toxicities with it because it needs to make the perfect environment for your baby, right? Mm -hmm. So most women experience morning sickness in their first trimester. And again, it's my belief it's because we have so much toxins inside of our body that never come out. But now a baby's here and the baby's saying, get out. I need exactly. a perfect place. Exactly. And so we all get sick because we all live the same life. Absolutely. So it's not normal. It's just become normalized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that being said, I went to the midwife on my first appointment and I was severely sick, severely dehydrated. I had lost so much weight. I had no energy. And they took my blood pressure. First of all, didn't tell me what it was. And when we asked, they kind of questioned why we were asking. So that was a red flag for us. Um, excuse me, it's my blood pressure, and if I want to know what it is, I can. Yeah, exactly. Um, second red flag for us was that um, you always have to give them a urine sample, and so I gave them my urine sample, and they did their test, and they were like, oh, the protein's a little high, and we said, oh, what does that mean? They said, oh, well, that means that you are dehydrated. I said, okay, yeah, I knew that because I haven't been able to drink, so, you know, what do we do? And they said, oh, well, you know, hopefully it gets better, and they moved on. Wow. And so it was from that experience that we were like, hold on, this is not the kind of, this isn't how it's supposed to be. This yeah. is wrong. This is severely wrong. And so as soon as we went home, I started to research everything. <laughs> as you do. Everything, as I do. <laughs> I said, what is pregnancy? What is the first trimester? What is the second and the third trimester? How should I be eating? What are you know, how does this baby grow? What is the placenta? What are the stages of labor? Um, and I started doing all these, I started reading all of these books and I had so many, I actually have a, dry, a big dry erase board at home and I started taking all these notes. I mean, I was a mad woman, but I didn't want them to take my pregnancy from me. Not when I know the natural state is health. And there are women all over the world who have healthy babies every day. And there are going to be people who are listening. And there are people who come on my page all the time who say, yeah, but, you know, things do happen. And they do. I'm not saying that bad things don't happen. But once you start looking at statistics, once you start researching the history, once you start realizing why these things are happening, you then realize that it doesn't happen that often. And it doesn't have to happen to you if only you would take control. And how do you take control? You remain fit, you eat well, you keep yourself a stress-free, free, positive environment. Everything's gonna be okay if you live in alignment with nature. Definitely. That is, um, that's, that's wonderful. Like that's, that's just, uh, it's, it's very inspiring. Thank um, you. So I'm sure, you know, there's gonna be a lot of women out there that are inspired by, by that. Um, and you're so, um, I don't know, you just, you have no, it's, it's like you have no fear, you know what I mean, which is, which is great. Do you have fear? Like, are you, have you always just been like, you know, uh, I'm just going to go for what I feel is right inside of me? Um, 
No and yes. I mean, I would say, I would say I'm very confident and I have an amazing supportive husband who lives the same lifestyle as I do. So Mm -hmm. there were a few times throughout my pregnancy where I wouldn't say I doubted myself, but I was just like, you know, are we doing the right thing? And are we really going to do this? And he had my back. He said, you can do this. We're, we're finding out everything we can and I'm here too. And everything that I learned, I explained to him. So he would know too. And we kind of helped to balance each other out. Mm -hmm. Um, and even within my family, um, we're very open to things. We, we just really want to get back to the way our ancestors lived and the way things are supposed to be. And the only way to do that is to kind of grab it yourself and just face it. That's the only way. And so Yes, you can be scared, but get over it. You you have to get over it. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just that. <laughs> but there's so much, um, you know, there's so much out there that puts people in a state of fear, and you know, this this you know the the the, the ancient way is it the way. It's all about modern, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all about modern, you know. Forget how it used to be, you know. Like this is. We've we've evolved in time, technology exactly. this, technology that, and it's like, okay, yeah, that, okay, yes, we have evolved, and technology is great, but at the same time, it's not the be all and end all. You know what I mean? Like people were able to do these things way back in the days, and for exactly. me, in, in my in my opinion, I feel like they were a lot smarter back then, anyway. Oh, I mean, I think so too, and I actually just had this conversation recently uh, with my sister-in-law and. I think you always have to place things into historical context. And so we're now in 2018 and we think that we have to have babies in hospitals and that we need to monitor their heart rate and that we need to be lying on our back to give birth. But when you start going back in time, and I don't mean the 1900s and I don't mean the 1800s. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Exactly. People want to start, you know, from 100 or 200 years ago. That's not far enough. Yeah, exactly. And so if you start taking it back and, you know, we could even, and it's not even that far, but if you take it back to the 14th and the 15th century, you start to see that uh, we had healers, we had medicine men and medicine women, and we had people who knew how to use herbs and Mm -hmm. we had people who knew how to birth babies and we had these um, cycles and we had you know, support systems and we lived in communities. And so things were different. And so now you fast forward a bit of time and I think it was in, well, you know, I'm sorry, if we're still talking about the 14th and 15th centuries, um, these are also times of religious persecution. And so these are times of the Christian crusades, right? And so if you're not Christian, if you don't believe in God, then we will murder you. (laughs) That's how it is. And so if you, as a medicine man or woman, know how to stop a woman in labor from feeling any sort of pain, well, obviously you're the devil, so you need to die. Because right, yeah. women, according to the Bible, are supposed to experience pain in childbirth. Yeah, in it? <laughs> so, exactly. exactly. So they start to accept this thing and they start to do away with these midwives and with these healers. Because if you're not receiving, if you're not feeling pain then that's blasphemy. And yeah. this is this was the thought of the time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so um, then you fast forward to the 18th, 19th centuries, and this is when you have Europeans beginning to fund hospitals. And so now they're like, look at this gleaming, white, brand new, modern hospital. If you're of the upper class, you'll come here. And everybody mm-hmm. wants to be a showboat, right? Everybody wants to say, well, 
I can afford that. I can do that. So they start moving to these hospitals. And so they, and you can research this. You can look up these advertisements that they had, which basically are saying, don't go to that dirty black person. Come here where things are clean and where we have licensed professionals. This was the thought. And, and you so saw the, you saw these adver- adverts that you can oh my, find them online. Yes, yes, you can. I mean, there's books and and there's articles and there's um, certain documentaries. But these things are true, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm just using I'm being blunt. You know, it doesn't say it exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's what they. But mean. It's basically that's the message. Yeah. Exactly. Stay away from these from these brown people come to us because we know better. Mm-hmm. And so now we're in 2018 and we still have women doing these things and living uh, in these times as if they have to. And they don't, but it's all because as soon as you get pregnant, they're, they okay, what's your blood pressure? What's your urine saying? How do you eat? Take this pill. Come let us check you. You need an ultrasound. And everybody just needs to calm down because it's, <laughs> it's all unnecessary. Exactly. Just calm down. Take exactly. a chill pill. Um and again, though, there are people who do need um, monitoring and do need kind of support. But I'm talking about people before you get pregnant. Take control of your life. Take back what is yours and you won't have these problems. Tell them. Tell them, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them. That's all it is. That's all I want people to do. Exactly. No, that's great. That's great. Another thing that you guys documented on your um, via social media was... Uh, you holding on to, was it the placenta? Yes. Yes. How was that? Why did you guys decide to do that? Um, I know there's some great health benefits yeah. uh, when you when you do that. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to know a few of them and, and, and why you guys decided to do it. Explain that. Okay, so what we did was called the lotus birth. And a lotus birth is when you birth the baby, then you birth the placenta, and the baby and the placenta are uh, connected via the umbilical cord. So rather than severing the umbilical cord at birth, you allow it to naturally dry up and to naturally fall off. Um, and is that what they were doing any... in, 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 in um, ancient times? Is that something that's been going on for a long time? So I'll get there in one moment. Yes. Sir. So... Um, this process can take anywhere from three to 10 days, mm-hmm. uh, for it to naturally fall off for us. I think it took about 65 hours oh, wow. and it was beautiful. I woke up, um, it must've been around 2 AM about two to three days, right? 65 hours after she was born, uh, changing her diaper and it just snapped off and her belly button's perfect and it was beautiful. And we feel kind of like it was her, uh, second birth, um, so to get to your question, I'm not sure how long people have been lotus birthing. Mm-hmm. Um, different communities around the world have different beliefs about the placenta. And so I believe it's more of a spiritual thing. When your placenta breaks off of the baby, when the, when the umbilical cord snaps from the baby, it's more of the baby saying, I'm here now. I'm earth side and I'm staying. Mm-hmm. Rather than... Uh, in a hospital, them cutting it off and kind of shoving you into this world, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. The baby is releasing. And so for us, what we did with the placenta, um, we ended up burying it outside of our house where she was born. And so for us, it's a beautiful spiritual thing. It's like from this earth you came and from this earth you will return. But also this is your home. You were born here. No matter where you are in this world as you grow, this will always be your home. Mm-hmm. You, there's a piece of you here. Um, 
but just we we loved it. It was very special for us, little kind of ceremony. And there are lots of people who do this, but um, also to speak more to the benefits. So that's lotus birthing. Um, when you're in a hospital, um, the baby comes out, the placenta comes out, and they immediately cut the umbilical cord. Now, the um, placenta contains up to one third of the baby's blood at birth. And so when you cut that umbilical cord, you're actually um, take, uh, not giving a baby the, uh, the chance to get all of his blood back. And so that immediately sends the baby's liver into shock because now the liver's like, oh my God, I need to make more red blood cells. We need this. And when the liver can't keep up, it produces more bilirubin. I think that's how you pronounce it. And that's what causes jaundice. Jaundice is when the baby turns a bit yellow. And yeah. a lot of babies have this at birth, but it's because the umbilical cord was cut off, amongst other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's also extremely traumatic. I mean, this baby was just born. This baby is like seeing lights and hearing these sounds and not in water anymore. And now, now his body having to make red blood cells is just like, whoa, calm down. Yeah. Um, and so actually I read in a book and I mean, I could get the name of the study. I don't know it right now, but there was actually a study done where they took MRIs of children uh, when they were four years old, who had their umbilical cords cut off right away, and they compared it to those of children who didn't have their umbilical cords right away. And there were actually brain lesions on the kids who had their umbilical cords cut right away. Wow. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's serious. And that so obviously, serious. I'm not saying that there are these kind of life-threatening um, lesions where, you know, these children can't function, where, you know, we're all healthy per se, but yeah. we could be healthier. Yeah, we could yeah, exactly. be doing better. Exactly. Um, and so what I uh, suggest to people who maybe don't want to do a full lotus birth is delayed cord clamping. And what that is, is allowing the umbilical cord to stop pulsating and to turn white. So when the baby's born, it's kind of like a reddish pinkish because there's blood in it. Yeah. So allow the umbilical cord to turn white, allow it to stop pulsing. That means the blood is finished draining from the placenta back into the baby. Um, it's very rich in stem cells, which the baby can use later in life and in his uh, beginning days also. Um, and that can take anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, if, if somebody doesn't want to do a full lotus birth, that is the other option, but never, ever, ever cut the umbilical cord right away. All you're doing is harming your child. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's um, awesome. It's, it's such good information that you're sharing with, with yeah. the listeners. You know what I mean? I think it's, um, I think it's very uh, valuable. So I appreciate I you sharing so all of this. Of course. Um, another question uh, with your amazing birth uh, and your, 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 your journey as being a, a new mother. Yes. Um, <laughs> how is, you know, how is breastfeeding for you? How do you find that? Uh, I think, as a man, I think it's extremely important for, for women to, to do what they're supposed to be doing, which is natural, mm -hmm. which, is, which is feeding their children um, mm -hmm. in, in, in your natural state. How is mm -hmm. that for you? How, is imp how important is that for you? And, you know, I know there might be some women out there that might be like, oh, but I don't want to do it in public or mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. you know, can you share that with, with our listeners? Yeah. So breastfeeding for me has been a very positive experience thus far. Um, 
again, I do have a really uh, strong support system, both with my husband, family, and friends who know that it's natural and know that it's best. But I do understand that a lot of people don't have that. And um, all I can say is breast is best. And this is kind of like a slogan that breastfeeders have. And it's true, though. Our body, I mean, how amazing is it that after you have a baby, your body naturally produces something for it to eat? That blows my mind. It, 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 it blows my mind. It blows it's, my mind. It's, like, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's it, it really is. I mean, my daughter now is, she'll actually be five months next week, believe it or not. No way. She's huge. Yeah, oh, she's a big man. girl. Yeah. Um, you'll have to see her soon. I can't wait to see um, her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, yeah, so she'll be five months next week, and she is weighing about 17 pounds now. Mm-hmm. And when she was born, she weighed six pounds, 12 ounces. So to think that in five months, my breast milk allowed her to grow almost 10 pounds just on my breast milk. That kind of says it all though, is it? It's like, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is nature. This is supposed to be. This is nature. Exactly. And, and how can we mess with nature? How can a woman's body just naturally say, okay, baby's out now. We need to do this. Yeah. And then for a woman to choose, there are women who can't breastfeed for different reasons, but there are women who choose not to. And so for a woman who chooses not to, that child really isn't getting the best start at life because we're ending up giving them formula, which is made out of cow's milk. Cow's milk is meant to grow a tiny baby calf into this 2,000-pound bovine mammal. Exactly. 2,000 pounds. <laughs> Makes no sense. And you want to give your human child, child that? Yeah. That doesn't make sense, it does it? It doesn't make any sense. And so then we're wondering, well, why is my child obese? And why does my child have um, all of these conditions? All these conditions, yeah. We see babies all the time who their hair is falling out. They have eczema. They are throwing up. They have uh, diarrhea. And none of that is normal, but it has become normalized. Mm -hmm. And that is because we're force-feeding them something that doesn't belong in their body. Mm Mm-hmm. I even saw a formula um, because people ask me a lot of times for alternatives if they can't breastfeed. And unfortunately, I can't find a lot of good ones. I mean, I'm a, I, soy isn't that great, but I, I suppose I would choose soy if I had to. I'm not right, sure. Right. But I was looking at formulas recently just to kind of be able to relate to people better. And one formula, first of all, it's powdered cow's milk. So it's milk, cow's milk and it's powdered. But then this particular, and I don't know the brand, it had soy, fish, and eggs all as a part of the ingredient list. Are you serious? Yes. And they're trying to tell you you've got to feed that to your brand new baby. Yes. Jeez. Yes. Yes. And so then we're wondering, why, does, why is my baby's hair falling out? Why does my baby have eczema? Why, does, why doesn't my baby sleep at night? Why is my baby screaming uncontrollably? Because you're poisoning your child, that's why. And you just don't know it. And why are they ending up with chronic diseases at such an early stage. Exactly. Because and it's really sad. I mean, no one's doing it on purpose. We just don't know better. But it begins with trusting 100% the medical system. You can't. Mm-hmm. You have to take control. Use them, obviously, for their abilities. I, I will never take away that a doctor knows medicine. A doctor absolutely knows medicine. But once you tell me what's wrong with me, I'm going to go home and do my research. Do your research, yeah. That's, that's, that's wonderful. And, you know, you saying we have to take control kind of leads on to my next question. And I was going to 
I was going to ask, you know, why, why, is, it, why is it important uh, to you um, to share this story with the world? I want everybody to go back to how it should be. I don't think that most anyone realizes that every single problem in the world is directly connected. And I know that seems maybe like a far stretch, but people who are like, oh my goodness, it's so sad that these people are starving in this country or in that city don't realize that they're starving because we're using land to raise animals for meat and feeding those animals grain that these people could be eating. Mm-hmm. And where, uh, you know, again, with our babies, we're force feeding them things that don't belong in their body and we're making them sick. And so, you know, and when they turn 10, they're getting juvenile diabetes, they're getting obesity, they're already getting their menstrual cycles as children. Like, you're not supposed to do that. Um, everybody wants peace. Everybody wants love. Everybody wants to be happy and healthy, but it's all interconnected. And I need people to realize that if you start working on yourself, if you start making changes to be your highest and your best self, everything else will fall into place. Absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliantly said, I'd say. That was wonderfully said. Um, what was the reaction from your friends and family? Um, what, yeah, what was your Okay, so this is kind of like a two-in-one. What was your reaction from friends and family when it came to you becoming plant-based? Mm-hmm. And... And also, what was your action from friends and family with how you decided to go about your, your um, pregnancy? Okay, so uh, with becoming plant-based, I don't think anybody um, was surprised. But yeah. again, I was... So I have two brothers and then uh, my mom and dad, of course. And so my dad is vegan and my brother is actually vegan, one of them. Okay. Um, my dad actually completely reversed his diabetes by going vegan and beginning to exercise. My mom, my mom did the same, which is great. So that's amazing for both of them. Yes, that's absolutely. Amazing. That's, that's amazing. Um, my brother just kind of grew up being overweight and unhealthy, and he's just lost a ton of weight since going vegan. And so, um, that being said, though, I uh, obviously started uh, stopped eating meat when, like I said, I was about twelve-ish, mm. and so going plant-based wasn't really a huge leap because it was just kind of what was coming. You know, I, mm-hmm. I had already stopped eating meat. And then after meat, I think is when I, like I said, I gave up the creamer and the milk and the eggs. Um, cheese was the last thing to go for me. That's always um, the last thing. That was the last always thing. Always well. the last. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I understand the struggle. Yeah, I yeah. do because I used to love cheese, but yeah. here I'm fine without it too. Exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't think it was a huge surprise. Um, but again... I have to stress, my husband lives this lifestyle. My my family gets it too. So, you know, the support is there. We all like to learn together and we all like to progress together because the name of the game is progression. You can't be doing the same thing today as you were doing last year or the year before. You always want to do better. You always want to know better and you always want to aim for better. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I don't think becoming plant-based was a big shock. Um, everybody gets it. Mm-hmm. Um and then as far as um, having the baby at home unassisted, was that the other question? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I, that I received some backlash for. Um, right. Friends were, so I would say friends who live around us, so friends that we see uh, believed in us and trusted us and um, believed that we could do it and believed that it was best. Um, maybe because we could explain things better to them. Mm-hmm. Um, when my parents found out, they 
were skeptical. They were not about it. Um, I think at one point, everybody in my family either called me or sent me a text saying, you know, Lacey, this is your first child. And, you know, I understand how you want to do this, but, you know, you should really have a midwife there because what if something goes wrong? Um, I got that from friends too, close friends. But I think what helped me again was having facts, having statistics, knowing how to, um, what to provide them with. Because again, if somebody has health issues, I absolutely do not recommend that you have an unassisted home birth. Mm -hmm. But if I know that, um, I've done one fast in my life prior to becoming pregnant. So I've done a water fast. So I've cleansed myself a bit, um, really uh, low stress, no stress environment um, that I live in. I eat really well. I work out. I don't have any health issues. Um, so for me, it, it was the right decision. But furthermore, finding information. So what I did was I said, okay, people say, oh, but what if something happens? And so what I said was, what does that mean? What does it mean when somebody says, what if something happens? So I typed into Google, uh, what are the most uh, common emergencies during childbirth? And I got a list of that. And for instance, a nuchal cord is, is one, a one thing. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that I typed in the most common emergencies. I meant to say like, what are the emergencies in childbirth? Why, yeah. why would you need interference? And so a nuchal cord, which is when the baby's, um, umbilical cord is wrapped around the neck. So I learned about that. How often does that happen? Do you know the answer? Are you asking me that question? Yes. I have no idea. 4%. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's clearly really low. Exactly. So when people say, oh, but what if the cord gets wrapped around right, the neck? Yeah, okay, yeah, that ha yeah. it, it is a concern, but yeah. it only happens 4% of the time. Yeah. So then you have to also say, okay, if this were to happen, how could it happen? Because there are some times that the cord is really loose and maybe wrapped around once. Mm -hmm. There are times that the cord is really tight and wrapped around three times. And that is an emergency. And I get that. Um, so you have to start to again, take, um, take responsibility. If you're going to have an unassisted birth, you are completely responsible for the outcome. And I think that's what scares women. When you're in a hospital, you can blame the doctor yes. because you didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're at home, it's on you. And so I had to accept that anything that happens is on me. And on so you. if this baby is coming out and if this baby has a cord wrapped around its neck, how do I handle that? What do I do? And you can look up um, how you would handle that. And basically what would happen, what an obstetrician would do is to assist the baby through the birthing canal by turning. So when the baby's coming out, the baby is first face down and then mm -hmm. it turns around so that when, when the baby comes completely out, it's face up. And so while the baby's turning like that, the obstetrician would help it to turn so that the cord doesn't wrap around tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are things I had to look up. These are things I had to teach my husband and my husband had to learn because he would be the one there if that was the case. Mm -hmm. um, but again, that's 4% of the time and umbilical cords are made to be stretchy. I think, I think the average size is like 20 inches. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so it's meant to be able to birth the baby and the baby to be able to reach the mom's chest all while still connected to the umbilical cord. And umbilical cords are contain something called Wharton's jelly, which makes it super stretchy, super pliable. And so, again, to me, I said, okay, it is a concern, but it doesn't happen too often. And I and now I know how to battle that. Um, the other concern is, well, 
um, you know, the baby could get stuck because the mom's pelvis is too small. Okay, let me research this. And I forget the statistics on that, but that becomes a concern when you're laboring, when you're giving birth in the wrong position. And so you can look at old statues and sculptures and even paintings on the pyramids. I mean, I'm talking way back when in every society, all across every continent in the world, women give birth in a squatting position. Yes. And so when yes. a doctor puts you on your back, we think that they spread your legs open and we think that opens the birthing canal. It actually um, makes it smaller. Well, yeah, it, 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 it makes sense that it would. Being exactly. Back, but, being back, exactly. Yeah. but when we're in a hospital, we are instilling our trust in the doctor who says, lay on your back. Yeah. Little do we know that, uh, don't have the time frame, but basically there was a perverted French king who only, uh, he liked to watch his wife and his mistresses give birth. And so he forced them to lay on their back. And that's why we lay on our back during is childbirth. That where, is that now, where it came from? That's where it came from. What? Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Exactly. And so wow. if you start to think about things now, of course we would still lay on our back now because it doesn't make it easier for the birthing mom. It makes it easier for the obstetrician though, doesn't yes, it? Because yes. he can see everything that's going on, can't he? Yeah. So it's not about how much pain the woman might be feeling or what's the best position for the baby to get out. It's about, listen, I'm, I have a job to do. I need this baby to get out because I have dinner at five. Mm-hmm. And so, again, so you're, you're laying on your back and your legs are up and the doctor's spreading your legs open, but the baby's getting stuck because he's, the, the pelvic opening is, is narrower and also you're forcing the baby to come out on an incline because you, you're not flat, you know? Yeah. So when you're in a squatting position, actually, your tailbone, your sacrum actually opens up and that's what opens your... Um, your pelvic opening and allows the baby to come out. Mm-hmm. And so that was the other concern, you know, oh, but what if the baby can't come out? So what if the baby can't come out? What if there's a nuchal cord? Um, and these things aren't really big concerns. You just start looking up the emergency um, and how you would handle that. And yeah, and the more you look up, the more empowered you feel, the more you realize, you know what, I can do this. There's nothing that's going to happen. But in the event that there was, I mean, obviously we had the midwives, um, they actually thought that we were going to have a home birth. So they thought they were expecting a call from us. So if I needed to call them, I could have, which I think in the back of my mind probably did make me a bit more confident. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can't wait to do this again. I, I know that I don't need anybody because everything was fine. You just listen to your body. You listen to your baby. I mean, just as much as the mom is working to get the baby out, the baby is too. The baby's just as tired because the baby is descending from one world into the next and the baby's working too absolutely you know and just listening to you it just makes me you know it just makes me understand that this is this is what this is what our ancestors went through you know what i mean like there there was no there there wasn't any midwives there wasn't any doctors Mm -hmm. or hospitals Mm -hmm. you know this is how it used to be this is how it began do you know what i mean like Women just took control of their bodies and just, mm-hmm. you know, trusted in, in nature and trusted in God mm-hmm. and just allowed it to happen. Exactly. And I feel like because of the time that we're living in now, you know, we, we no longer trust in ourselves. And by, exactly. you, 
by you doing your research, learning, studying, you know what I mean? It just proves that it can be done. You know, yes. they just women have to, if they want to, you know, if they're inspired by you and they want to follow your footsteps in having a natural birth, they just have to put that time in. And that's all it is, is just putting the time in, just learning about the process and learning about what to expect and learning about um, how to handle situations. That's that's all it is, because um, you can do it. Your body knows what to do. Your body knows what to do. It knows what to do because it's like any any other species, they just do it because exactly. they know exactly. what to do. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? They know what yep. to do. They don't have any yep. midwives or like ten doctors around them. They're not in a in a, in in a hospital room, you know, with other elephants looking on to see what's going on. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Speaking to the child, elephant they, is just like, oh, it's time, so it's I'm gonna time, stay so in this corner and do my thing. Exactly, and you know that's what we've lost. We've lost that that disconnect with. Exactly, and we just need to get reconnected again. That's all it is. We need to stop. I'm not saying it's not a serious thing, but if we would just begin to do our research and get back to our roots, we would realize that it's a totally natural thing. Everything's going to be okay, and we have we hold the power within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 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 inspiring. Can you recommend any books or any documentaries? You know, it doesn't have to be a long list, but you know, just maybe off the top of your head, just for listeners to, you know, because they might want to know, oh, so where did you get this yeah. info? Or, you know, where did she read? Or, you know. Um, so off the top of my head, there's a book called Childbirth Without Fear. Mm-hmm. And that is by, uh, you know, right now, I'm forgetting his first name, but uh, Grant Reed is the last name. And he wrote this book in about 1940. He was um, an obstetrician who... Um, used to practice the ways, which was having uh, women on their back and stuff. And after doing some traveling and, and learning about the real way to do things, he wrote this book and it's super empowering because it basically takes you through the stages of labor and explains to you that if you have fear, you will cause your body tension. And if you have tension, you will cause your body pain. And so women are experiencing pain because they're so scared Mm -hmm. of something so natural. And so in this book, he explains to you what to expect and how it's going to work and, and why fear equals tension equals pain and how you can combat that. So that was a really wonderful read for me. I learned so much from it. Um, and it really, really helped me. Um, there's a documentary, which I can't remember now, but it's with Ricky Lake. I don't know if you remember her. She's done yeah, a, a talk her, yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone remembers Ricky Lake. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> wow, hope. I can't remember it right now. It, um, but it, you can maybe Google Ricky Lake, like doc, like birth documentary, um, and she is just kind of explaining her process through a really traumatic first childbirth experience and just becoming empowered in her second um, experience and doing it at home and why she chose to do that. Um, One other book I would recommend is called um, So You're Having a Baby. And this book is all about um, vaccinations. And it doesn't tell you to get them. It doesn't tell you not to get them. It just tells you the truth about them and allows you to make that decision. Because I do find that a lot of moms, um, that's the next question after they have the baby. I I receive a lot of questions about how I feel about vaccinations. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, so I'm not here to talk about yes or no, but I do recommend that book. So you think you're having a baby, um, and childbirth without fear is huge. 
Awesome. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're very welcome. Um, last couple questions. I always um, ask this question to my, my guests. I know that you're a big fruit fan. Yes. Big, big, you know, just fruits and vegetables. You know what I mean? Living love foods. fruits and you veggies. Know, I, I know you love your living foods. Um, so what are your top three favorite fruits? Well, top three. So that's a loaded question, huh? <laughs> okay. I'm going to preface this by saying, don't hold me to these three because it changes, it changes all the time because I love fruit. I know. So I know. if I'm saying today, I, today I really love uh, jackfruit. Jackfruit's got to be in there. Definitely. I know you love jackfruit oh, too. It's delicious. It's too much. Um, you know, yesterday I, I had a yellow pataya and that changed my life. Oh, so good. Is that the first so time you tried good. It? No, I've had it before, oh, okay. but I just don't always find them. Yeah, they're so nice. So it was so sweet and so juicy. I yeah, loved it. Yeah. Um, so I would say jackfruit, pataya, but then you know what? I really love, um, strawberries. I really love papaya and mango, avocado. I, this list can't be down to three. I could never do it. <laughs> you just could never <laughs> I mean maybe I'll just stick with one and say like a papaya boat because then I could fill it with all the fruit that I love that's true and your papaya boats look mean oh, they, I love papaya boats we, we really enjoy them they, they look so good you gotta um, try them with some peanut butter I'm telling you that's the trick yeah no I'd have to try I'd have to try it soon well I can't do peanut butter or maybe I can oh yeah I'm, I could do almond butter though Try it. Give it a try. Let me know how you like it. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to try it with almond butter. Um, no, that's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is there any, you know, last bit of advice that you would like to share with the listeners when it comes to, you know, fruits, veg, I mean, foods, um, any advice on, you know, I know we've touched on the pregnancy um, a lot, which is amazing. So, you know, I don't know if you need to give any more advice, but just any last piece of, uh, you know, advice that you'd like to give listeners before we... Um, I think, you know, I've, I've said a, a, a lot of things throughout this, but yes, I think the whole point is to just remain empowered, always stay in the know. You're never going to be able to do better if you don't know better. And you'll never know better if you don't do your own research. There's nothing to be scared of. It's just about starting to make small changes. You know how you feel and you know that you can possibly feel better. So start with what you know, and that applies in all aspects of your life. And specifically with pregnancy, you know, we want to have the healthiest, most beautiful, happy babies that we can. And it all starts with you, whether you're pregnant now, whether you're planning on becoming pregnant, whether you, even if you've already had your children, you know, you've just got to do the best for your family. And you can only do that by empowering yourself through higher knowledge. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think as well, this um, this this podcast um, is so important. Not just for again, not just for women, but for men too. You know what I mean? Because this, yeah. this isn't just about the woman. This is this is uh, you know this is about the men. You know, because obviously, I mean, it, it interestingly takes two enough, make... it it does. Interestingly enough, I do have a lot of. Um, male followers who uh, send me messages or comment on things um, talking about, you know, oh, I'm going to tell my wife or my sister or my mom or, you know, my best friend. Um, I never thought that I would have a male audience who was interested in these things. And they actually are. So 
you know, even specifically to the female listeners, there are males out there who want to see you empowered, who want to see you doing this, and they're interested. You just, you have to learn together. Definitely. That's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. And is there any, like, people that don't, maybe not, might, might not follow you or know who you are, uh, would you just like to leave, you know, where people can find you, contact you, see your story, you know what I mean? Yeah, so right now I can be found on Instagram mainly. Those are my main platforms. I have two pages. Um, my personal page is at Lacine. Um, and on that page I talk about fitness and pregnancy and children and childbirth. Um, I also have a plant-based food account, and that is at The Pink Coconut, where I talk about plant-based foods and, I don't know, food combining and fruit and meals and recipes. Um, actually currently working on building a blog and a website, so I'm really excited about that because I'll be able to have one cohesive place for everybody to get this information. So look out for that, but for now, Instagram is the main, is the main thing. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, Lacey, and I just want to say... Thank you again for taking the time out um, to sit down and uh, have this conversation with me. Um, I know you had to leave little one for a while, um, so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll let you get back to her. Um, yes, thank you for having me. It was amazing. No worries. Um, but yeah, we should do it again sometime in the future. Definitely. We'll be here. We're, we're going to keep learning so we'll know more and then we'll do better. We'll just right? keep going together and keep supporting each other. Cause, you exactly. Know, it's a good movement. It's a good movement. So, yeah. It thank is. You. Thank you so much, Lacey. Thanks, Ryan. And I'll speak to you soon, love. Very soon. God bless. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.